This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. A lot of great stuff coming up on this show. Lindsey Vaughn, gold medal winning Olympic skier, World Cup champion, will join me here in just a few minutes. Really excited to share a conversation I had with her recently with all of you. Really good uh, catching up with her and getting some perspectives from her as she is one of the inductees into the Minnesota Sports Hall of Fame. That ceremony happening happening tonight at Mall of America. Get into some Gophers football stuff. P.J. Fleck had some interesting comments talking about last year as he looks forward now to the spring. I'll share some of those with you and uh, kind of add some perspective on those as well the wild keeps winning did it again for one over the flyers on tuesday night another good you know another just solid performance mark andre Fleury had a good game in goal kareel kaprizov scored again i mean just kind of fine-tuning this thing down the stretch as they head towards the playoffs but i'll get into a little possible playoff um matchup with you too that uh you know, you should be thinking about as you think about whether they are going to have some postseason success. But first, what did I miss? Vikings down at the winter owners meetings, um, offering some more evidence that they are in full on run it back mode. And, you know, maybe that's not entirely fair because they've, you know, they changed their whole leadership structure, they changed their coaching staff. You know, Quesley Adolfo Mensa, Kevin O'Connell, now in charge of this team, in charge of this roster, bringing fresh ideas, but the bodies largely are the same. And a couple different things that I heard from Kevin O'Connell down there made me think that was the case. Well, number one, reaffirming this idea that he thinks he can probably get more out of Kirk Cousins, saying, you know, he had some interesting quotes about him, and obviously these guys have a working relationship. They played together. Um, you know, they played. They didn't play together. They, he was O'Connell was a Cousins' quarterbacks coach in 2017 um, when you know both of them were in Washington. So I get it. There's a certain history there when you know somebody like that. You have an idea that you can you know get more out of him, and I think he does understand Kirk Cousins pretty well. Hopefully he has a better relationship with Cousins. There's an interesting quote um, from Ben Gessling's story. It's like when we talk about the absence of communication, some negativity can seep in. In the absence of structure, a lot of questioning can sneak in. And I don't know if that's directed to how things were here before, but it certainly is a kind of a window into how Kevin O'Connell wants to run things Going forward, he says, and that's our job ahead of time. If you're running a lot of plays where you don't definitively know this is where we want to, this is what we want to happen, that leaves too much gray area, in my opinion. Throughout the week, we get a lot of credit for the hours we work. Hopefully, we're spending those hours clearly defining a plan of attack for not only Kirk but our entire offense. So, understanding Kirk Cousins, understanding that he likes to know the outcome, the desired outcome of every play before it starts. And that's a hard thing to do because plays are fluid. But if you have an idea of this is the this is what we want to come out of the play. If this doesn't happen, then this is the next thing. You know, your progressions essentially, um, you know, it sounds pretty basic, but that that is kind of what they are counting on in this space to make Kirk Cousins better. And whether they are able to do that will largely be a testament probably more to O'Connell than it is to Cousins because Cousins has been doing this 
a lot longer than Kevin O'Connell's been a head coach, you know, a decade longer to be exact. He started a lot of games. He kind of is what he is, at least to us right now. Can Kevin O'Connell and the rest of the offensive staff get more out of him? That is what they are banking on quite clearly, and whether they are able to do that will have a large say in how 2022 goes. Now, the other piece of evidence from O'Connell talking is how much he seems to like Garrett Bradbury. This is a another piece of run-it-back evidence Talking about the offensive line, talking about you know some of the competition they now have at right guard after signing Jesse Davis the other day, um, he he praised four returning starters according to Ben's story. Um, you know Brian O'Neill, Christian Derrissaw, Ezra Cleveland, and Garrett Bradbury, the fourth year center who uh, you know has has been inconsistent at best. I think we can say. Since, uh, since being a first-round pick in 2019. He said, I watched a ton of his tape coming out of college. That was an O'Connell quote. Schematically, what we do may have a li- may be a little different overall what th- from what has been done. I think that could maybe put some tools in his toolbox. So again, trying to improve from within, and maybe that's the only way you can improve when you're limited somewhat by the salary cap, when you're limited by your personnel. You're kind of banking on this fresh set of eyes. And ultimately, this all leads to what the Wilf family wants to do. And the Wilf family wants to be competitive. I want to play a Mark Wilf quote from those owners' meetings down um, down there and, and, and let you decide for yourself what the plan of attack is for this year. Our, our goals are the same as every year. And I think, like I said, I'm more excited than, than, than ever that we can really compete at the highest levels here. Of course, winning the division is first and foremost our goal. And and from there, that's where you get into the dance and, and anything can happen, and that's where we want to be. So, um, like I said, um, this is a uh, – you can label it a million different ways, but we have a lot of great players on our roster. And I think when we went through the process with hiring a GM, hiring a head coach, I think we were an attractive team for that reason because we have that base. But we have to build around it, and there's always evolution and and uh, and change. And I, I, now that free agency is – you know, we're always looking, but now – we're, we're coming off of this meeting. We're going to be heading towards draft, and uh, we know there's going to be a lot of talent there to help us as well. So, again, there you have it. It's, a, it's more or less a competitive rebuild. They're trying to get better with the players they have um, and, and, you know, retool this thing to turn an 8-win team into, you know, a 10 or 11-win team. And, you know, that's not out of the question. They can do that. I just don't know what the ceiling is ultimately for this team. And maybe you keep adding pieces, maybe with the right moves on the margins, you do get better enough that you feel like you are a Super Bowl contender, not just a fringe playoff contender. But that's putting an awful lot of pressure on yourself in that first season. And I will be very interested to see if Kevin O'Connell and Quesiodofo Mensa can work some magic this year. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. I am very happy to introduce onto Daily Delivery, Lindsey Vaughn. Probably needs very little introduction as a gold medalist, World Cup skiing champion, but... uh, I will introduce her anyway. Uh, part of the reason for all of this is she is also a inductee into the Minnesota Sports Hall of Fame, that event happening on March 30th. Lindsay, welcome. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Congratulations on the induction. What uh, I mean, you've had a million honors in your life, but what is, you know, Minnesota's kind of where it all started. What does it mean to be inducted into this Hall of Fame? It means so much to me. You know, Minnesota's where, as you said, where it all began. Uh, I grew up, you know, skiing at Buck Hill every night under the lights. Um, I have so many vivid memories of, you know, learning to love ski racing in Minnesota. And it's really where I got my passion for it. So um, I, it means, it means a lot to me. And I, I, I have received some honors in my, in my life, but being recognized by your home state, you know, that really has, that means something special to me. Obviously you've gone on, you've skied a lot of other places. How does, what, what is your current connection to Minnesota still? How, how do you kind of relate to the, the state that you, where it all started? I still come back all the time and my mom's still there. Um, my mom, my aunt, my uncle, you know, actually my uncle started uh, the Orpheum and State Theater um, in Minneapolis. So I grew up going to the theater with my family. And uh, yeah, I mean, I still talk to my coach, Eric Seiler, all the time. He's, uh, I'm not going to say how old he is because he'll be mad if I say it, but he, he's still kicking. And, um, you know, actually my a lot of my friends who don't live in Minnesota anymore are still, we're still, we're still a group of Minnesotans. We just may not be living entirely in Minnesota. I imagine, you know, you retired from competitive skiing a, a few years ago and that I would imagine that period of time gives someone to maybe re, a chance to reflect a little bit more on a career when it's happening. It's kind of hard to reflect sometimes because you're in the moment as you've kind of maybe thought back on, everything you accomplished? Do you have anything in particular? I, I actually kind of wanted to ask you too, like, was there a particular race that gave you the most joy? Maybe it wasn't even a race you won, but a, a moment that gave you the most joy in your career. I mean, I think there were a lot of races. I mean, I, every race, honestly, I, I loved what I did every time I was in the starting gate. I, I had fun, uh, no matter what the circumstance. I think that there were a lot of races that you know, I think brought me a lot of joy in the sense that I came back from overcoming a lot of adversities, you know, different injuries and things like that. Um, I think the most meaningful to me was winning the Olympics just because my family had given up so much, you know, I'm the oldest of five kids and, you know, they all had to uproot their lives from Minnesota to, to Colorado. And, and, uh, that was a huge sacrifice and no one wanted to leave Minnesota, including myself, but, you know, it was something that, that needed to be done. And so when I won the Olympics, I felt like I won for my family. And, and that really was, uh, I think, the best moment of my career. Overcoming adversity seems like it was a pretty key theme to your book, Rise, My Story, which was released just a couple months ago. Um, just kind of glancing through it, reading some some pieces of it. That seems to be a, a key component of it. But I'd like to hear in your own words what what that book is, because it is a memoir. Yeah, it's mainly about my life and what I've learned and, you know, how I've overcome certain aspects of my life and certain things that I faced, you know, injuries, unfortunately, being a lot of that, but also personal struggles. And, and you know, I really wanted to uplift people and, you know, try to, you know, encourage people to overcome their own adversities and just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I think I learned a lot, you know, just in the last couple of years since retiring and it took me three years to write this book because, you know, I was in an interesting state of mind when I retired and I was sad and, 
you know, it took me a while to just be happy with where I was and to, you know, to understand that that part of my life was over. Cause it, you know, I've been skiing my whole life and then you wake up one day and it's gone. So it was an interesting transition and I'm glad I was able to write this memoir during that time. And I, I truly hope that it inspires others. Is it, it must be a challenge to write a memoir because it, it does get, I mean, it's, it's personal, right? And it kind of probably makes you uh, confront is probably the wrong word, but it makes you kind of remember or think about, you know, every aspect of your life and so many good things, but it, it, the complete picture for anyone's life is going to have some ups and downs. You had it right the first time confronting certain okay. things in okay. your life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, you're totally right. It was hard. It was hard to confront certain things. And, um, you know, I think it was good for me to process, you know, to confront those things and, you know, kind of get past them and, and, um, and relive them and, you know, for the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, it, it was a process, but um, I think it was really therapeutic for me to do it. And, and it was, again, it was great timing and um, just a great way to kind of close the chapter of my skiing career. I had a question jotted down. I feel like you might've already sort of answered it with the question was, were you ready for retirement when it happened? Definitely not. I mean, I don't think I ever, <laughs> to be honest, I don't think I ever will be ready. Or, you know, I, I, I just love skiing, you know, I, I love everything about it and I wouldn't have retired had my body not given out, but you know, that's just unfortunately the price I pay. I, you know, everyone pays to, do, you know, to, to do what they love, but um, you know, for me, I, I think that being injured was the only way that was going to stop me from continuing on. So in, in a way, I think I was blessed in the sense that I didn't push myself too far to the point of no return. You know, I think even though I'm still struggling now with my knees, it's, it's a lot better than it, it could have been. So I think it was the right time. And you're still skiing plenty. I mean, your social media shows you skiing a lot still, right? Yeah, I'm still skiing a lot. Um, unfortunately, I just had surgery on my knee again, but um, I, I love skiing. You know, I, I've really learned, you know, kind of gone back to the basics like I used to do with my family when I was a kid, you know, just be out there on the mountain and, and explore the mountain, explore the trails and, you know, something to do with racing. It's just the joy of being out there, which I love. Seems like you aren't bored. Um, you know, I was going to ask you like what, what even a typical day is, but just <laughs> looking at your various social media platforms, you have a lot of different things you've been up to. You were out at the Olympics not too long ago doing some work with NBC um, and you've done some previous work with them. What, what is, what was that experience like? And, you know, kind of being on the other side of the camera, I guess. Um, it was good. You know, it's just nice to be a part of the Olympics in some way. Um, you know, I was a little disappointed. I couldn't, we didn't go over there, you know, everything was going on with COVID. And so we stayed in, Stanford, Connecticut and MSC studios. And so I felt a little bit disconnected from the athletes, which I wanted to, you know, really be more involved with, but, um, you know, it was, it was fun to cheer on my friends and it was fun to, you know, see certain people, um, do well. And, and, you know, while I wasn't there, I still felt like I was somewhat in the Olympic spirit, which was nice. <laughs> what else goes into a, a great day for you these days? Um, you know, I work really hard, but you know, a great day for me is, is accomplishing something big or small, you know, even if it's just going for a walk with my dogs, you know, I really, uh, I love the time that I have now. And I like being around my friends and my family. And, um, I, I still need to work on that slowing down part. I haven't quite 
gotten that nailed. Um, but honestly, if I can just, you know, work hard and, and have a relaxing night by the fire with my dogs and my family, I'm great. Is that kind of how you're wired to kind of to push and push and go? <laughs> yes. I don't have like a slow button. There's just all or nothing. It's um, yeah, it's kind of hard to manage, but I have found different ways to challenge myself in, in this next chapter, but it's still not the same as downhill racing. And I, I don't think I'll ever have a, you know, another gear. It's just six gear all the time. Well, maybe you have to embrace the gear, right? Don't, you don't, don't have to slow down all the way if, if that's how you're wired, <laughs> right? You can, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, a few more things uh, for you, Lindsay Vaughn, really enjoying this conversation. Now, I've always been fascinated by the notion of celebrity and you are certainly one of the bigger celebrities around how have you over the years dealt with being you know so much in the public eye do you embrace it is it something that comes naturally to you or do you have to kind of work up to that piece um i just kind of am myself and you know i i try to walk the line of you know sharing my life with with my fans because i you know i think that's important to me but i also you know, also with like some privacy. So it's, it's, but it's, it's a double-edged sword, you know, and that's the, 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 uh, the tight walk that I'm, I'm trying to balance, but um, it's some, it most of the time works. Sometimes it doesn't, but you know, I, I think I get criticism no matter what I do. And um, I just really try to block that out and just stay true to myself. And that's kind of how I get through it, you know, no matter what um, other people say about you because as an athlete, you know, that happens all the time is, you know, people have their opinions, they judge and, and it's fine when it's on the mountain, but then when it becomes off the mountain, that's when it becomes difficult. And I just have always, again, tried to be myself and try to get, take everything with a grain of salt, develop a, develop some very thick skin and, uh, just keep doing what makes me happy. A uh, big piece of this year's Minnesota sports hall of fame induction is, celebration of title nine this is of course the 50-year anniversary of that landmark legislation earlier this month i saw on instagram i believe you posted happy international women's day here's to all the strong women who inspire us every day to keep breaking glass ceilings my mother and grandmother were my inspirations they set an example for me of what a kind and compassionate person should be that no matter what adversity you face to never stop being positive and to never stop believing great message. I mean, maybe if you want to talk with a little bit more about your mom and your grandma or other, you know, strong women who have been impacts in your life. Yeah. I mean, my grandmother passed away just uh, two, three weeks ago. And um, so I was really, you know, I wanted to, I just was kind of reliving, you know, all of the great memories that I had with her and, what she really taught me. And, you know, at her funeral, we were all just talking about her legacy and, you know, how kind of a person she was. And she was really, um, she never, you know, if there was anything that had to be done, she did it and she didn't complain. And she was just always that strong, kind person. And that's, you know, the example that, that I want to be, you know, for others. And I really want to take that, you know, take her legacy and pass it on the same as my mother, you know, my mother had a stroke while giving birth to me and she had four kids after me, including triplets. And I mean, I don't, if I, if that's not strength, I don't know what is, you know? So I, I really look to, to them, you know, as kind of a, a guide and how I should act and behave and, and, you know, what I'd like to pass on to, to the next generation of, of young women. Is there anything else 
on the horizon. I'm sure you probably have seven projects all the time, but is there anything else coming up for you in particular that you, uh, you want to talk about? Yeah. I mean, I've, I'm really trying to get my foundation, you know, going, you know, we've with COVID, we haven't been able to do our in-person camps, which has been tough, but we've been mainly focused on scholarships and I've, you know, encouraged any young girl or scholarships are closing soon. So if you, um, it's educational and sports-based programs. So, um, if any young, young girl out there needs help, we're there. Um, and you know, I'm just, I'm doing what I'm passionate about, which is, you know, a lot of ski projects, a lot of film projects. I did that, um, uh, co-directed a documentary on Peekaboo Street, who I met at uh, Pierce Skate and Ski in Minnesota um, when I was nine and she inspired me. So it was a really fun project. But yeah, I have, I have a lot going on. I'm, I'm again, I'm always going 110%. There's, there's no slowing down. Last thing for you, when you could, when you do come back to Minnesota, which sounds like it's quite often is there any aside from like your family's house is there any one place you always want to go i mean moa why wouldn't you want to really? go there okay yeah i mean i don't really want to go there but i do at the same time you know it's like the love hate i really need to um and i don't know my my mom <laughs> my mom just likes going to panera <laughs> so it's literally what, my mom just loves to go to panera every time I'm like can we go somewhere different <laughs> and she's like nope panera so that is <laughs> that's what i do when i go to minnesota <laughs> you guys would like hanging out with my seven-year-old daughter because she would be all about the mall of america and panera big day you guys have planned it's a well, big day it is a big day well the mall's exciting and you know for a while it you know probably didn't go as much so Getting back and doing those things is fun. We, I feel like we take less for granted now, anyway, and we sh- everything we get yes. to do now, we should be uh, we should be thankful for. Well, absolutely, Lindsey Vaughn, really appreciate this conversation, getting a chance to catch up with you, and again, congratulations on the induction into the Minnesota Sports Hall of Fame. Thank you, really appreciate it. Take care. Really enjoyed that conversation with Lindsey Vaughn. Hope you did too. Congrats to every single inductee into the Minnesota Sports Hall of Fame. Well-deserved. It's an amazing class of women in this year's induction ceremony. So lots of good stuff in today's paper as well. You can read a little bit more about all the inductees at Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. You know, just talking to Lindsey Vaughn, you know, and just thinking about greatness, thinking about someone who has performed at such a high level and, you know, kind of in conjunction with watching Paige Beckers the other night and just, you know, the performance she gave in that game to get to the Final Four. She'll be playing here in just two days now in Minneapolis for that Women's Final Four. I'll be part of our coverage of that as well. Looking forward to getting over to Target Center, seeing, you know, seeing that action, seeing the atmosphere, things like that. These these elite athletes, every athlete who gets to a high level has to have a certain amount of confidence, right? They have to have a certain amount of belief in themselves. But these the, the people that rise above, the people that are the best of the best, they ha- they feel like they have this supreme confidence. And we look at them and think, okay, um, you're getting to this highest level, this this brightest spotlight moment. You must be feeling all of this pressure. And someone with the utmost confidence probably sees it completely differently. Maybe they feel the pressure to a certain degree, but I think what they probably mostly feel is opportunity. What they feel is, I am the best. 
I can go do this, and I'm going to show my greatness right now. And I feel like that's what Lindsey Vaughn did throughout her skiing career, and that is what Paige Beckers did on the national stage in that regional final against North Carolina State. So just thinking about greatness a little bit, and I think we in the media, you know, we see things a little differently. We are not, by and large, elite athletes. We, you know, maybe we played sports growing up. You know, some of people who in broadcast who might have transitioned from playing professional sports to broadcast might have a different perspective. But you know, for those of us who had average athletic careers, we can't understand what it is like to have that level of confidence in your own playing ability. And so we see it as a pressure moment, and I think a lot of these athletes see it as an opportunity moment, and that is the separator between the good, the great, and the best. Speaking of the good, the great, and the best, Kirill Kaprizov is somewhere on that journey. He's better than good, um, that's for sure. He's great, I believe, at this point. I wouldn't call him the best in the NHL right now, but man, he is on a path to certainly be the best in wild franchise history. He is almost, uh, you know, he's he's on a path to se- to set season, season single, season single, what am I saying? Single season records in both goals scored and overall points he is he had another one um on on Tuesday in a 4-1 win over the Flyers like I mentioned at the jump Mark Andre Fleury very solid in that game had a shutout going into the third period um you know just good contributions up and down the lineup and that's seven wins in a row now for the Wild after that slide really seems like that trade deadline from Bill Guerin gave them a jolt gave them some some players they could use gave them some better goaltending depth. Um, so back into second place now, fairly uh, fairly securely in the in, in their division, and that's that's important. But you know, just looking at the matchups, it's a little bit of a it's a little bit dicey. Now there's a lot of regular season left. The Wild has 17 games left. Most other teams have like 15, 14. The Wild still kind of some games in hand, but. If they play Nashville, which is right now the number three team in the division, that would be the matchup right now. A little bit, a uh, little bit of a concern when you look at the season series so far. Nashville has handled Minnesota twice pretty easily, five to two back in October, and then six to two just a few weeks ago in the midst of that wild slide. So, if that is indeed the case, and that was that was the Wild's first loss of the year when they lost to Nashville earlier this season. Um, you know, if that is indeed the case, I don't know what it is about Nashville specifically, but you know, that's a that that could be a tough matchup for the Wild if that indeed ends up being the opponent. Now they do play them two other times, once in about a week and once towards the end of the regular season, April twenty fourth. Um, Roman Josie's been just tough on the Wild in both of those games. Um, like I said, five two and six to two. Those are not uh, those are not good outcomes. Now the one caveat in in this is that Kapokakinen started both of those games in goal for the Wild, no longer with the Wild, so it'll either be Cam Talbot or Marc-Andre Fleury in the playoffs, so that is something to consider, but Nashville's had the Wild's number this year, and the Wild will be, would do well to get some confidence, take at least one of those games later this season, if that indeed is going to be their playoff opponent, because, you know, matchups matter this time of year, and you don't want to see them going into the playoffs against a team that they have struggled with this season. Let's finish with the cooler. P.J. Fleck met with the media Gophers football coach ahead of spring practice. Um, Met with the media on Tuesday, had a lot of good stuff to to say about depth charts, what they're looking at this season, but 
had some interesting reflection about 2021, which by most accounts was a good season for the Gophers. They went nine and four. They won a bowl game. Um, they were in contention for you know Big Ten title uh, right up until the end. Uh, they did they, they didn't get it done. I think you know I think a lot of us would say there was some disappointment in there, but. P.J. Fleck reflecting on that year and putting a lot of the onus on himself, specifically on offense. Let's hear a quote from P.J. Fleck from that media availability on Tuesday. You know, I've gone through the season probably four or five times, and I just got done with it even before I came down to see you uh, finishing up the Wisconsin game. And we were just so inconsistent. This wasn't about, hey, we won nine games and everything's great. I think sometimes people think that. that I, whether we win two games or we win 11 games, not everything's great. It's my job to find what's not great and make it better. It's my job to be able to find uh, what's not as good, make it better, what is good, and find a way to be able to make it even better than what it is. So just because we won nine games doesn't mean, oh, yeah, we had it figured out. Uh, I, I, I failed as a coach last year. I did. So we won nine games. That's the fourth time in the history of our school we won nine games. And I'm up here telling you I failed as a head coach. I did not, I did not do well enough, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You know, I like that in a coach. I like a coach who will say, I, I could have done better. I need to do better in this area. That, me, that tells me that they're always striving, they're always working, and they're not just finger-pointing. They're not saying, well, this happened and this happened and this happened, and that part, of the, that part of the ball, that's not my responsibility, things like that. I'm not naming names here, but I feel like maybe the former, vo- former coach of the Vikings, um, whose last name rhymed with Simmer, um, might have been guilty of that at times, of, of pointing the finger at other people, but not necessarily always blaming himself. P.J. Fleck, um, you know, how how much of that he, he truly believes, I guess, is a question, but I think he's a sincere person by and large, even if he comes over the top sometimes. So good to see him evaluating himself, thinking of ways he can get better, and seeing how the Gophers can get this thing even further in 2022. That will do it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed everything I brought your way today. Should be a good one on Thursday as well. Expecting wild forward Nick Delorier to join me. Should be a fun conversation with one of the newest members of the wild. Thank you so much for joining Daily Delivery today. I'm Michael Rand. Back at it again on Thursday.